On this episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast, we have the one and only Eric Sue, the CEO of ClickFlow and Single Grain. And these guys are responsible for spending well over 18 million a year in the B2B realm. We dive into weaponizing the data you have, having an omni-channel approach. We also even chat on some mergers and acquisitions side of things. If you're interested in investing, thinking for yourself and knowing where your money's going, make sure to check this one out. Eric is an open box and this one is super awesome. Honestly, we probably should have killed it at um, we probably should have killed it at, at 25, 30k, but we ended up spending like 100. Um, so the campaign net net, I think we probably ended up losing maybe 20 to 30k. So it wasn't even we to, to be honest, if we decided to focus on it more, we probably could figure it out. But we just said, hey, you know, we, we don't feel uh, we, we feel there's better opportunities with other offers. So, you know, let's move on. listening to the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, where we break down the financial principles that rich advertisers are deploying today to turn advertising into profit and get tons of traffic to their websites without killing their cash. These advertisers, agencies, affiliates, brands are responsible for managing over a billion dollars a year in ad spend. You'll hear about what's working for them today, their rich ads, and we'll roast their epic failures and crappy ads on the internet with poor ads. Let's get into it. All right, everybody, we are back in business with another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast. We got your host, Dylan Carpenter, in the house. Hope everybody's doing well. Now, today we have an exciting guest, and I'm personally amped to freaking chat with this individual. But we got the CEO of Kickflow and Single Grain. These guys probably manage roughly 15 to 18 million a year, mainly in the B2B SaaS or tech company kind of side of things. But he's also the, the host of the Marketing School and Leveling Up podcast. So we're on that podcast train, so y'all make sure to check that out. But when the hype is real, we got Mr. Eric Sue. How's it going, man? I'm good, Dylan. Thanks for, thanks for having me here. Not a problem. So give everybody a little idea and some context to kind of who you are, kind of what you're getting into so everybody has an idea. Yeah, so um, I, like you mentioned, I have a podcast called Marketing School. I do it with another uh, marketer named Neil Patel. And um, I also have a podcast called Leveling Up. That's really where I just nerd out and talk to other business owners, uh, authors, or just other kind of high performers to learn from them. And then um, there's a couple of businesses that I have, like you mentioned. Um, I do have operators that run those those businesses. Um, nowadays, I'm trying to focus more on either um, looking for other deals or just creating content, just kind of high leverage things that only I can do on my site, or at least what I perceive only I can do. Um, and yeah, from there, you know, just, um, playing the game of business, have a book coming out called leveling up, um, in, in February and, uh, yeah, just enjoying life as it goes. Heck yeah, man. And congrats on the book. I mean, that's got to take some time to really, you know, sit down and, you know, come up with all the material more or less, or it may come second nature. Five years, man. It's, it's, uh, the, the book, you know, what they say about the book is, uh, you're going to go through like five to seven drafts. You're going to have a ton of editors that go through it. And uh, it takes a lot longer than you think it does. Oh, I can only imagine, especially when it's done right. Because I mean, shoot, that's got to be a task. But I mean, it's probably going to blow up, I would imagine. So I hope so. We'll see. That's the plan. Heck yeah, man. So you mentioned kind of looking for deals. What kind of deals are you looking for to acquire companies, you know, clients? How is that kind of tone out there? Yeah. So, um, you know, right now, I think, you know, I think a lot of people listening to this, it's it's always, um, you know, what's the newest marketing tactic? Um, or what's the newest mark? What are the newest marketing strategies? I think one of the kind of um, unseen gems is you know 
it seems like a big word, you know, mergers and acquisitions. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's it, what you're doing is if you go buy other assets, whether it's other SaaS companies or other websites, um, you're often going to be able to take advantage of it immediately. And then, you know, oftentimes it's one plus one equals three. So you plug it in with your audience and then, you know, they enjoy it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get to, to reap the, the, the rewards. I think it, it just, it sounds a lot more complicated than it actually is. Um, and you know, you, you, I think most people think they need to be really smart or like an investor with a lot of money. It's just not true. Man, that is super interesting. So with these, you know, mergers or acquisitions, where do you, like, where does your role come in? Does it come into, you know, kind of partner up, use their audiences? Um, how do exactly do you integrate with them? If you don't mind me asking? Yeah, sure. So, um, w- one good example of this would be the ad agency that I, that I own single grain. So um, I took the company over about seven years ago, and um, you know I, I bought the company for two dollars out of pocket, and um, it was a failing ad agency at the time, you know the or an SEO agency actually, and the services that we were doing were no longer working. So I basically negotiated a deal where I was I was able to was able to take over the website, um, you know all the assets, and then I put in a contingency that if the company were to fail. Um, I would end up owing nothing. And so, um, you know, that ended up working out. And that's a deal where I had to put in a lot of sweat equity. You know, this is seven years ago again. But, um, you know, it it worked out and we were able to turn the company around. And um, I went from, at the time, owning 10% of the company to, um, you know, now I own 100% of the company. And then I just basically take the cash flows from that business and reinvest it in areas that I see fit. Oh, man, I love it. Heck yeah, man. This is going to be exciting. So as you know, you know, we spoke about it a little earlier. We love to dive into, you know, as you mentioned, what's working, some of the newer strategies, but it's pretty loosely open there. So I mean, when we dive into more of the rich ad, what's working good for y'all? What's what's y'all's rich ad here? Yeah, so, you know, I I think a lot of people are probably sharing tactics around, um, you know, actually running uh, ads. I think one of the biggest things that works well for us is when we think about, um, you know, going omni-channel, right? And so, what do I mean by that? So, you know, right now, let's take a take a look at the uh, single grain website. So, we have our blog, right? And our blog, uh, from an SEO standpoint, you know, we get decent traffic, about three hundred thousand visits a month. So, you know, we produce content, um, and then, you know, what we do there is we have a lot of people hitting our website, and what we do after that is um, we layer on what we call, or not what we call, it's what they call it, a customer data platform. So a customer data platform is basically something that um, allows us to, you know, combine all the disparate data sources that we have. You know, we might have data sources from like HubSpot and then you know, the sales enablement tools that we're using like Outreach um, and then, you know, different uh, ad tools like Facebook, for example. And then we're able to basically say, okay, we have this visitor named Dylan that visited our website. He opted in for this uh, lead magnet over here. And then he also uh, took this action in intercom over here. And now we have an entire timeline of what Dylan performed on our website. Um, and we can serve that user accordingly, right? So if they're really interested in you know content around SEO, we can serve that up to them in an, in an ad. We can automatically create an ad, right? Or, um, you know, we can automatically have our salesperson uh, go out and, and send them an autom- uh, automatic email based on the behaviors on, their web- on, on our website. So without getting too much in the weeds, um, we are now able to weaponize the data that we have um, because before you would have all these uh, disparate data sources. 
that um, wouldn't really tell you kind of what's the whole story is with a user like Dylan. Now we can actually do that. And now we can automatically put them into sales campaigns, um, ad campaigns and all that because we have, you know, we have data hitting our website, right? So, um, you know, customer data platforms are something that's worked well for us. We actually managed to get a um, about a seven figure uh, podcast deal for marketing school because Ooh. someone visited our website and um, indicated that they're really interested in the podcast. And then that's how we got one of the deals done. So that's just one example of a seven figure deal we got done. Oh, man, you mentioned something weaponizing the data you have. I think yep. you should trademark that, man. That was beautiful. <laughs> um, when it comes to how you kind of follow around on the kind of data side of things, how far out does it go? Is it 30 days, 60 days? Would you be able to see things I was looking at maybe, say, three, four months ago? Or is it pretty real-time oriented? Um, it's. It, I mean, you can go pretty far. I I, I think um, I actually don't even know if there's a limit. Um, Damn. So, yeah, it, it, it can go as far as you need to. There you have, um, you know, if you use something like, uh, hull.io, which is what we use. It's H-U-L-L.io. Uh, you can use a tool called Segment. They just got bought for a couple billion dollars um, by Twilio. Um, and so, like, you know, I think the sky's the limit. It's 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 actually, you know, in our day and age, people talk about data being really important. Data is the new oil and all that. I think um, the the possibilities are endless. I think especially if it, those of you listening right now are really into uh, e-commerce, I think, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to be using customer data platforms. I think in the e-commerce world, uh, most people use uh, Lytics. That's L-Y-T-I-C-S. Yeah. Um, so, you know, take a look at it if you haven't, if you aren't um, taking advantage already. Oh, yeah. And I mean, there's never a better way to understand your customer, you know, journey more or less. So, I mean, I think these are killer points because, I mean, tracking attribution, the data side of things. I mean, the amount of value you can get up at knowing just knowing these numbers is unreal to just really probably level up the business as a whole. Yeah, it's like cheating. So. Oh, yeah. The weaponizing, man. I can't get over that. I'm going to be talking about that all day. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend in partnership with MasterCard. And if you are an aggressive affiliate dealing with dozens of ad accounts or you are in gray hat or black hat verticals such as drop shipping, CBD or other verticals where you're dealing with ad accounts getting shut down, business managers getting shut down or even de-platform from platforms like Facebook and Google, then you absolutely need to check out Funnel Dash's ad card. We give you unlimited free virtual debit and credit cards. So you can have a dedicated card for every single ad account campaign. And you can attach any name and address in the US so you have complete anonymity on the card and at the card level. Plus, one of my favorite features is that you don't have to pre-fund or even top off like most typical virtual card solutions today. So if this is you and you're operating these verticals, whether you're an agency or an advertiser, then check out AdCard at FunnelDash.com. Heck yeah. So she, that's quite a rich ad segment there. So I mean, while that's working really good for y'all, what's something on the more poor ad side of things that thought would maybe kill it, but maybe it didn't work out that way? Yeah, I mean, there's there's few and and far between that that don't work for us. Uh, so, like, I'm trying to remember, like, like I'm trying to give you a spectacular example. Um, I would say, you know, what hasn't worked for us. I done recently. We actually have a um, so we have a program um, out there that teaches people how to 
um it's basically a quote unquote i hate using the word coaching program but that's that's what it is right it coaches people on how to scale their agency out and so you know what we did with with that one um was we had the ads working and we were driving um we weren't spending like a ton maybe we were spending like um i don't know a couple thousand bucks a day two three thousand dollars a day and we just would not give up on this campaign so we were trying to drive leads to a phone call and then close the close people on a ten thousand dollar deal there right and then there's a couple companies out there that you know are doing 15 20 million dollars a year and we're like okay we can do the same thing too and what we realized was that you know we we, we would have a daily standup. We'd have like a, you know, like a weekly 90 minute meeting. You know, we're doing all the things. We had the marketing working, but what we couldn't figure out for the life of us was um, the sales side of things, right? Mm. And what we learned was that um, instead of trying to figure everything out on our own, we probably should have just hired, you know, people out, that, out there that have actually done this multiple times with success. And we probably would have been successful there. But because we dragged it out and tried to figure it out on our own, um, we ended up losing a lot of money there. And we ended up losing a lot of time. So I think this also just not only applies for um, things on the advertising side or like the sales side of things, um, but just in general, when it comes to hiring people, figuring out, okay, you know, who out there is maybe, you know, two to three times, four times bigger than you. And, you know, who are their top three executives that you can go out there and, and hire and, and just poach instead, um, instead of try, trying to figure everything out on your own. Because that, that's a sure recipe for disaster. You know, all the time you spend trying to, remake the mistakes um all the money you're spending too you're just better off hiring people that have been there done that and you're going to move a lot faster so oh i couldn't agree more now you mentioned the marketing was on point but the sales side was kind of struggling when it mm -hmm. comes to a 10k deal is it a one call close typically two calls how would y'all kind of have that set up out of curiosity yeah so we wanted to do a one call close and we did get a couple of one call closes um that being said um we again we we ended up, I'll tell you the mistake that we made. We ended up using an outsourced sales company that didn't really understand our offer. And um, when we listened to them on the calls, we, we gave them too much leeway too. We use a, a software called Gong, that's G-O-N-G.io for sales coaching. And we knew from the very first day that um, it was just way off, right? It's just, we were too nice and we gave them too much leeway. Oh man, that is wild. So from a more marketing standpoint, when it comes to trying to convert someone on a 10K deal, what kind of metrics do you look at on the kind of front end side for possibly a cost per booked call if you even have those numbers or have it, you know, an idea of those? Yeah. So we primarily were looking for um, the, the, the main thing we looked at every day um, from my memory, just joining some of these standups is that we were mainly looking at the click through rate first, right? Because obviously, if you don't have good creative um, and people aren't clicking through, then that, that affects all your down funnel metrics. Um, we would look at, you know, how much um, cost per qualified application was, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. for that, for that, we're basically looking at a couple hundred bucks per cost for qualified, uh, qualified application. And then just, you know, as long as our click through rate is above 1%, ideally, 1.5%, um, we're in a pretty happy spot, right? So we're constantly refreshing new creatives. And then, you know, we're kind of rotating in and out. Um, but we had the marketing dialed in. We just never had the, the, the sales completely locked, locked in. And then by that time, it was a little too late. So we ended up moving to another campaign. Oh, man. When it comes to like that kind of, you know, campaign strategy, you mentioned you had it kind of running a little bit, kind of spinning the wheels. You know, is that something you'll spend 10K on the gauge if it works, 5K, 20K, 100K? Where, where's y'all's kind of kill spot or kill switch spot? Yeah. There? 
honestly, we probably should have killed it at um, <laughs> we probably should have killed it at twenty five thirty k, but we ended up screaming like a hundred. Um, so the campaign net net, I think we probably ended up losing maybe twenty to thirty k. So it wasn't even we to, to be honest. If we decided to focus on it more, we probably could figure it out. But we just said, hey, you know, we we, we don't feel uh, we we feel there's better opportunities with other offers. So you know, let's move on. Oh, that makes complete sense. So what's been your highest ticket offer out of curiosity? Being 10K for that one deal, have you had others that are a lot higher? I'm kind of curious on that side of things. Yeah, I mean, it's um, so like, you know, with agency type stuff, I mean, these are these are, you know, um, seven figure plus deals. Um, the podcast deal I told you about, and this is public knowledge, but um, for the marketing school podcast, we have a deal with a hosting company. And they pay us about $800,000 a year. And again, that that's that's just like, you know, the offer, quote unquote. Um, but we, if you're asking about, you know, something that uh, like an offer that we're constantly, um, you know, selling on repeat, I think the one that we're focused on right now is uh, ClickFlow, which is a software. Um, and that offer is, you know, give or take about five to $10,000 a year, if not more. Oh, man, that's a pretty solid LTV there. <laughs> yeah. Can't complain at all. Heck yeah. Yeah, we've had so many individuals talk about, you know, just large deals. So it's really, you know, 10K, 50K, 100K. So it's always interesting to hear the kind of thought process behind those. So much yeah. appreciated, man. Now, we got the final piece of the pie. I'm pumped on this one. So we always try and find a crossroads between the marketing and financial side of things. And I think this will be really valuable for our listeners here. So, I mean, based on your expertise and experience, what kind of, you know, financial principles or tips could you share with the audience here? Yeah, I, I mean, I love this. I think um, I'm glad that, you know, on this show, you guys are talking about, um, you know, financial tips be, beyond just kind of the marketing stuff, right? Because at the end of the day, everything kind of ties in together. You are, you're trying to build a business. You have to have good financial sense. You have to know kind of where you're putting in your money, right? So you are, you know, rich ad, poor ad. We, we are very much investors on this podcast or those of us listening. Um, so. The one thing I'll say is going back to the very beginning, right? Um, it seems counterintuitive, but oftentimes it could be better to buy versus build, right? And there's actually a book called Buy Then Build. Um, so go out there, find other businesses or websites, right? Instead of saying, hey, maybe I need to spend $3 million on ads. Can you go buy a website that's generating, you know, a couple hundred thousand uh, visitors a month and then use that? You know, use all the traffic you're getting there, use the email list there, use the leverage you get there. Um, and then one plus one equals three, right? So there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat there to do deals like that. Um, that's one thing. The other thing I'll say is um, right now, given all the craziness, and by the way, guys, this is not financial advice. This is for entertainment purposes. Mm -hmm. If you look at what a lot of people are doing, there's a guy out there, he, he put about $425 million uh, of his, his entire company's balance sheet. It's a publicly traded company. He put it in Bitcoin. Right. Um, and then you have Square who put about $50 million of their balance sheet into Bitcoin. Um, so right now it's just, you know, the everything's pretty volatile out there. Right. So, you know, cash, you know, people are saying cash is trash. You know, can you really rely on, on, on cash right now? Right. It's it's it. We don't know. Right. We and the people are talking about bonds and all that, too. Like you can't rely on bonds either. So, you know, it's it behooves us that if you wanted to be, you know, um, to be cautious, to have some some schmuck insurance, you know, putting maybe one percent or five percent of your assets, um, or I'm speaking for myself right now, you know, into Bitcoin, if not more. Um, if you think Bitcoin is is you know going to be the horse for the future, then you do that because you know that 
you know, you can't really trust what's going on out there with, you know, all the cash that's being printed. Um, all you can do is, you know, trust that the future might be digital. And, um, you know, you put a chunk of your, again, speak about me, I put a chunk of my money um, into Bitcoin, and then, you know, just let it sit there. And then that way, hope I'm protected. And you hope it doesn't go up because if it, if it goes up like a ton, it goes up rapidly, that means the world is crumbling, right? So I think it's, mm -hmm. and, and what I'm really saying here is that um, learning to think for yourself. So you might not agree with me that Bitcoin is the way to go. You might say Bitcoin's a fraud, but I'm just saying that learning to think for yourself and learning to think ahead um, before, you know, poo-poo hits the fan or peanut butter hits the fan, um, that's really going to help you. Um, in terms of not only how you think about investing, but how you run your business as well. Oh, man. So this one just came, you know, out of my train of thought, you know, this is super interesting. But I mean, if you could give yourself some sort of advice in the investing realm 10 years ago, what would you kind of tell yourself? Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to say this is an investing and also in the, in the marketing world, too. I think one of the most defensible things you can do is and it sounds cliche is to build a brand right you know warren buffett and charlie munger always talk about buying businesses with a moat and the reason they love seize candy so much is because it's it's got a brand it's got a moat and they can continually uh increase their prices over time because the brand's so strong and so you know what can you do to create a brand to create even stronger than that to create create a community right um i just had a guy earlier on my podcast uh today um, his name's Lloyd, and he created a conference called Traction, and it's got you know this community is over sixty thousand people. He throws some of the most amazing conferences, some of the most amazing dinners. Doesn't charge people for it. Gives all the money, uh, gives all the profit away to um, you know nonprofits out there. And so you know what he's done is he's created a brand, and a lot of people end up asking about what he does for his business. Um, and then his business has grown you know really fast. He didn't hasn't raised a single. Uh, dollar of funding um, just because his brand is so strong, right? So it's like, you know, can you go out there and, you know, if you're good at audio, okay, you can go out there and do podcasts. Are you good at video? Okay, you can be like, uh, you know, guys out there like Graham Stephan, right? You know, he's got like 2 million plus uh, followers on YouTube and he makes millions a year off of that, right? So how can you create that one man media company, which a lot of people are doing right now? You can go create a newsletter like Substack, but you create the brand. And then you can start to, you know, kind of diversify into uh, into other channels, and then you can tie your business in with that brand, um, and then you're going to be a lot more defensible than a lot of other companies that um, have just focused on, you know, building products, right? I think it's hard to commoditize a brand. I think with a lot of products, you can actually commoditize them. So I, I'd say, you know, ten years ago, um, I would just focus on, um, you know, initially creating the content, you know, getting the suckage out of my body. And then, um, you know, getting better and better over time. And, you know, I, I don't see one person that has regretted putting in the, that, that time and money into content and building that brand. Um, and then plus, you know, when you later on with, with ads later, it gets cheaper, too, because people know who you are. So that's what I would say. Oh, yeah. And the creative is so much easier. You're going to have some selfie style ads. You don't got to go full production style. Yep. Man, this has been a really interesting one. I really appreciate all the insights. So give everybody an idea, you know, how can they get in touch? How can we support you? You know, how can everybody kind of find you online? Yeah, I mean, if you guys want um, the first chapter of the book for leveling up, it's actually if you go to levelingup.com, you can you can pick it up, um, you know, and you could actually pre order the book too. Um, just, you know, go to Amazon or just check out leveling up wherever you, you, you get your books. Um, and then, you know, you can find me on uh, Twitter or Instagram at Eric O.S.I.U. Heck yeah, man, this Twitter train's getting pretty crazy, isn't it, for this industry? 
Yeah, I mean, so that's the other thing, right? Like, here's the other hack. Like, you know, the smartest people are hanging out on Twitter. So go hang out on Twitter because, um, you know, you never know who you might interact with. That's That's been the one platform this year that's kind of shocked me. You know, everybody's having normal conversations, you know, high-level CEOs, beginners, to where I think Twitter is getting super underrated to where I'm starting to notice this is starting to be a badass platform. Yep. <laughs> Well, Eric, man, this has been an absolute pleasure, man. Thanks for jumping on. Loved it. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ed podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoored.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, go ahead and leave a review and a comment. Share with a friend. If you do, Take a copy, screenshot of it, email me, Zach at FunnelDash.com. Show me you left a review, and I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ad book. To learn more about the book, go to RichAdPoorEd.com. To leave a review, go to RichAdPoorEd.com slash review. Thanks again.